Welcome to Tarpod, the podcast for everything talent acquisition and recruitment. We're informative, controversial, and a little bit crazy. Now, please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. Today, we're interviewing Jason Derbyshire, the CEO of Charterhouse Partnership Australia and UK. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Hey, before we get going, I just want to make... um, reference to to lauren <laughs> so look she's done, done an amazing thing today got out of her bed she's had an eye operation earlier in the week she's highly medicated so i cannot be held responsible for anything <laughs> she may say on air today not a jot i'm removing myself from all responsibility and you can both get stuffed <laughs> oh look, that's a nice, nice way to talk talk to our our new guest so anyway jason we always start with a very simple question how did you get into recruitment and tell us a little bit about your recruitment journey over to you <laughs> yeah okay all right i suppose it's much like everybody um i got sold the dream so 22 years ago it was you know how do you like to drive a fast car and earn more than your mates and <laughs> Back then, 22 years ago, that was an acceptable pitch, and it worked on me, quite frankly. And you know, that was kind of how I got into it. And my, my first firm that I worked for was um, was Robert Half, and um, in the city of London. And then I went back up to, to Manchester with them. And then after I did my time there, at the time I'd, I'd met my my then girlfriend, now wife, relocated to London, worked for what was uh, a company called Harrison Willis that became TMP that became Hudson and then I shifted over to Australia and did some time with Chandler McLeod before going back to a British firm at Robert Walters and then for the last 11-12 years I've been at Charterhouse um, but yeah I was just basically sold a, a fast car and loads of money. <laughs> well if only I had a fast car and loads of money. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so Charterhouse is one of the largest privately owned recruitment companies in Australia isn't it with about 110 people? Yeah. And globally, how yeah, many have you right. got? Um, probably closer to about 200 across mm. um, across Asia, the Middle East, and, and here if we factor in the UK as well. So it's about 200 people. Okay. So normally you're our first agency person we've had on the podcast, actually. We, you, right. <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lucky listeners. <laughs> I know. I can hear most of our TA listeners out there gasping and clutching their pearls and going, Lauren, what have you done? Oh, my God, Jeez. get me a GNT. <laughs> uh, I can hear it now. So uh, how have you coped as a company, as our industry has been really really hit hard uh, with the onset of COVID-19. Um, how have you moved your business, which is high volume, high energy in one room and your whole high workforce has gone remotely? I don't know. Like it's, um, it's, it's amazing what happens when you have to, you know, I, I imagine like many, many firms in our industry, we, we talk about work from home and flexibility, but a lot of firms, I guess, have, have resisted it because of the fears that um, you know around the perception of, of what it potentially implies. But literally, we we spent two weeks in conjunction with our with our IT providers and writing policies and frameworks and talking to our recruiters and upskilling them on you know how to how to set up a work from home environment and what have you. Literally within two weeks, we've managed to migrate all of our UK office and all of our Australia office to to a work from home scenario. 
and I have to say the business hasn't missed a beat. The, really? You know, the, you know, our operating rhythm in terms of what we typically do day to day, that's still being done. And I think it's a credit to the, the people that we've got working. We obviously didn't give them enough credit at the, at the start, but um, it's a credit to the people that we've got working for us and the directors. But it just seems to have gone pretty smoothly, certainly far smoother than the roughshod market that, that we're in at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, because I know when I was in agency world myself, uh, that office vibe, that fast pace, that always kept yeah. feeding off each other. How have yeah. you maintained that uh, when people are home alone or, or team simulation? Yeah. So that, that's that question. It's probably the area that we put most focus into. And a lot of it has come from ideas top down, but actually some of the best ideas that are working their way through at the moment have actually come from our business. And we have a rhythm whereby we have a, a check-in, a check-in, a check-out each day. And it's designed to mirror the operating rhythm of our office environment. So in an office environment, a team would huddle around a board in the morning. It would talk about its business. Mm-hmm. You know, It would talk about its plan for the day. And then at the end of the day, we'd all catch up and review it. That same thing, that same process happens, but it's happening via Zoom meetings. You know, where they're sharing screens and what have you. The check-in in the middle is typically a very casual conversation and our directors are simply just having Zoom chats with each of their people just to check in and see mm-hmm. how their days are tracking. So the replication of a, of a work-based environment is, has actually gone pretty well. Um, in terms of making sure that there's some degree of high energy still because recruiters do feed off energy around them. I guess it's to make sure as much as we're talking about surviving the current market and making sure that we're doing everything we should be, it's about making sure that, you know, our people are pretty pumped, they're motivated, they're navigating this as best they can. So we've got some of the teams run quiz nights um, sort of once, twice a week. Some of the teams are running games daily, you know, that requires some level of virtual face-to-face interaction. I've tried to position myself as a pretty accessible CEO and we're trying to replicate that. So there's two drop-in Zoom meetings each week that have been set up where, you know, I'm sat in a, in a virtual room and anybody with any questions, regardless of how controversial or, um, they may be, can come in and there's no set agenda beyond simply chatting, catching up, and just getting the day off to a bit of a good start. It's designed mm. to replicate mm. that, that idle water cooler chat that typically you'd have in an office. I suppose that also from, aids with um, your staff's mental health, knowing that everybody's yeah. there just to have a bit of a chat and a, and totally. non work related chat and things like that, just yeah. to keep moving. Absolutely, and we've just amped up the the comms basically. So, you know, where there used to be a fortnightly update from me that went out, you know, that's now turned weekly. You know, and there's a lot of piecemeal chat that's going out. You know, on a pretty mm. frequent basis. I think we're doing it okay, but um, but it's, it's just seemed to come together and. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we're doing it, really. <laughs> so, one thing that's crossed my mind in agency world is, do you think that this work-from-home option would be a possibility in the future across the agency landscape? Yeah, I've done a full 180 on it. I always had a level of reticence and, you know, I think a lot of that has got to do with being a dinosaur by comparison to, mm. to most. But having watched how our people have adapted to it. I'm happy to admit on air that, you know, that's probably, you know, my concerns around it are more reflective of my own biases than they were about the capability of our people. So certainly, you know, my intention when we get back to a tradition, to some form of normality, will be to, you know, put in place a a work-from-home policy that, you know, is available company-wide and reflects exactly what they're after. 
Yeah, in my view, I Definitely. actually see that it, if it it's working quite well now for you and yeah. other companies, it's also going to be you know a what? good comeback for those work work from home mums, perhaps, and those yeah, mums who only want to work three days a week. But the funny, interesting thing we've seen, and it, and it is, it's um, is the amount of and it's anecdotal, but the amount of our recruiters that are actually now keen, believe it or not, to go back into the office. Yeah. Um, you know, because the part they've missed most is that, you know, you alluded to it earlier, but it's, it's that, that just natural interaction that you have as mm. a consequence of sitting alongside somebody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if people were suddenly given one day a week work from home, they'd snatch our hands off. And it's know, bloody hard, be no desire. It's bloody yeah, hard being stuck at home with the no kids too. More than that. I can only imagine trying to work from home with children would be a bloody nightmare. Oh, it is oh, horrible. Totally. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jason, I've got a, a question. Um, with the environment we're in, where a, a large percentage, I would, you know, and I'm, I'm, this is all guesswork, so I don't know. And obviously, you sure. know, I'm not asking for commercial and confidence information, but no. a large number of companies across the country are struggling. I've, you know, I've got a little bit of data. Yeah. So, so, last quarter, um, in terms of hiring intentions, so this is the quarter up to March, 63% yeah. of businesses in Australia were looking to add headcount, while only 4% yeah. 4% said they were going to reduce headcount. Now, yeah. currently that's flipped quite a lot where what, what the data I've got access to is saying 7% of companies are looking to add headcount during this quarter, yeah. while 73% of companies will be reducing. And that's obviously a, a COVID reflection of COVID. And also there are some industries that are hiring really well. So my question is, you know, I spent uh, 20 years in the agency environment and it's, for all intents and purposes, partly a sales environment. How, yeah. how do you sell in an environment where your clients are not buying? So in terms of the KPIs or the expectations around sales calls or, or sales interaction, how, how has that changed, if at all? Um, well, you don't. You don't sell because, you know, it, the product, in inverted commas, that we're selling – you know, it, it, it's just not as transactional as that. It's, I think we'd be tone deaf as an industry if today we were still making, you know, traditional marketing calls, yeah. talking about, you know, people that we're representing today. Actually, the big push in the business is around just making sure we've got interaction, interaction mm-hmm. with candidates, interaction with clients, sharing, you know, ideas in terms of what other companies may be doing in terms of keeping staff engaged, making sure that we're really reining in our contact cycles with our candidates because it's a real handsy time for them at the moment. In many ways, I guess we've seen that same trend. You know, we've seen a sharp drop off in terms of the, the demand, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think we can tackle it by simply making more marketing calls and mm-hmm. you know and just doing the same as we did before. We have to accept the situation we're in and we still need to be relevant. We still need to be talking to our candidates and client community. But to some extent, I accept that, you know, this COVID situation will just negatively impact our revenue. And our job is to get through that with the minimum amount of disruption as we can. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm, it does. Also, um, how's COVID-19 affected your UK business? (coughs) I was wondering about that one because you've got a huge medical practice over there, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It actually hasn't. Um, you know, and, and I think that's more a happy accident than anything because the only business that we have over there is um, is focused in medical. It's 13 months old now um, and it's still very much on it on its, on its growth trajectory. Um, and it's a bit like we're not too big to lose too much um, and it's still small and agile enough to be able to cover its cost base and everything be a win. 
you know, and so I, I, I'd love to say it's down to some great strategic vision on my part, but you know, it's just a little bit of a break we've been cut. You're supposed you know, to claim a that, you silly man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go back. Hell. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that. We'll later. edit that out, okay? <laughs> Own it. Own it. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've just got a good little team over there. They're a great, they're a great bunch of people. They're good people in their respective so markets. So is, is that and, team growing? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. that's fantastic. So own that. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's a, it's a good little business. It's a little happy accident. We're, we're very happy with it. It's um, it's doing well over there. But um, also you've got you've got charming. your team here in in Australia, your medical team run yeah. by Matt Partington. Um, and how are they That's going? Right. Yeah, good, because it's funny. One of the biggest comments I get is surely they're booming. You know, and I understand the logic, but obviously, you know, within a medical business, there's, there's many different facets to it. So, for instance, you know, we're still seeing, you know, demand in emergency doctors or ICU or gen med, general medicine, but areas like GPs and allied health. Mm. You know, that's been hit. So, you know, it's no different than when we're talking about white collar and, you know, where sectors might be good and might not be. You have the same dramas in, in medical. Obviously got hit a little bit with some of the ever-changing travel restrictions um, internally and externally. But the upside, of course, is that things like candidate availability has, has greatly improved. And generally speaking, people are, are, are a lot more flexible than they were. Mm. So it's it's um, it's doing okay, but booming is a big word to be using, I think, for any discipline at the moment. <laughs> so, other than the medical industry, are there other areas that you see are chugging chugging along quite well? Yeah, I, 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 the language I use is more: Have they been hit less? To what extent yeah. they've been hit less? Okay. Um, and the two that immediately spring to mind um, are really IT, where we're still seeing some level of demand come through. So that, that's good to see and, and our IT business is doing a very good job at that. You know, and then the work that we do in, in local and state government, we're across various facets, we're still getting job job flow come through at the moment, you know, in particular areas like communications and policy and what have you. Um, so areas like that for us are, you know, are, are, are welcome a welcome contributions whilst, and, whilst other parts of our business are getting hit. And Jason, within the government environment, is the majority of yeah. new work from, I suppose, stimulus <laughs> spend, is it uh, around contract or, or are they more permanent roles? Where, where are you it's seeing interim. that? Interim. Yeah, right, it's yeah. absolutely, absolutely interim, definitely. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Even in mainstream commercial, you know, even though even though we've seen a sharp drop-off in, in demand for people at the moment, where we are seeing any demand at all tends to be more um, on the interim side. Like for me, I, I draw the line between perm and temp, and yeah. perm has definitely fallen a bit off the ledge, whereas there's still some semblance of demand in, in, in the, the interim arena. And I know, um, actually I don't know, I'm quite sure that uh, all the other leaders of the other big agencies out there all have a little bit of a chat together. So across the board, what is the feeling of agency recruitment at the moment? That it's hard. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. Do you need a whiskey? Honestly, you know. And <laughs> he likes his sound um, effects. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we all recognise that it, unlike the BSC, you know, which just isn't comparable in my no, mind, no, I you know, in the GF, you know, in the GFC, the mentality was, you know, you'll get through it by doing more, looking harder, yeah. working harder. And that's just, that, that just won't be it, I don't think. Mm. You know, this is an event that that's an exception to the rule. I still come back full circle that understandably employers are turning off the tap right at this very moment. And we've got to redefine what our roles are to some extent as we navigate this. Mm. You know, so that we're positioned well, ready for 
when it when we start to see the uptick. Frankly, I agree with so, you. Jason, is there, yeah. an, is there an opportunity, Jason, during this time for agency recruitment to not only look at relook at strategy like working from home, but look at maybe other strategies like how they engage with talent acquisition or <coughs> even their modelling? Yeah. Is is this an opportunity for you to step back and look at the business and say how can we how can we do things better? Yeah, it is. It's simple things in my mind. Like I, I think the level of dialogue we're having at the moment with candidates and clients, when you're not talking about do you want a job, do you need a do you need a person, which are probably the two basic languages that most recruiters understand. When we're having genuine general conversations around, you know, how you manage in this situation, let me share some information. In other words, we're doing something other than simply supplying people in and asking for availability. Yeah. Um, there's a level of dialogue that exists that, you know, dare I say, is just a little more genuine. It's a little um, a little deeper than the traditional transactional recruitment dialogue that our industry gets gets labelled with. And I don't think, to me, I think that's a really important positive thing in this environment if we're doing a lot more of that. Um, it's a lesson taken forward that it's something that we should be doing anyway because it will just facilitate better relationships, the more sincere and more deeper relationships that that will have you know better outcomes for everybody in the future. I think. Yeah, it's it's going to be a different world. Like um, you know, industry leaders uh, have openly said in the last week that they expect um, upwards of thirty percent of of agencies to disappear, uh, and these will be yeah. people that are carrying a high expense load against a low yeah. return on investment. You know, we know the language, all those yeah. sorts of things. So yeah. you know, no one wants to talk about these amazing opportunities at the expense of others. But it's going no. to be a different landscape on the other side of this, whenever that date is. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, so the point now is to make sure that you're getting ready. As when we talk to talent acquisition people, they're looking at strategy now, they're looking at processes, they're looking at being ready for when it turns because it will. But companies like yourself also need to be saying, well, there's going to be a completely different landscape. There's going to probably be less people in that in that field and there's going to be a better opportunity to have better relationships with businesses, not only yeah, not only on providing talent as just a straight That's function, right. but also being a, a a trusted advisor and an expert in, yeah. in a particular environment and, and offering. Yeah. And you were talking before about the conversations you're having with clients around what other people are doing in their environment or in their industry to cope. And these are, yeah. these are really important um, pass forward, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely correct. I couldn't agree more. And actually, some of the best conversations we're having at the moment, the highlights of, you know, when I talk to my recruiters, you know, the highlights of their days are, you know, literally the, the legitimate two-way dialogue they're enjoying, whether it be with candidates or clients, you know, when, when you remove some of the traditional sales-based dialogue out of it. So, it's, um, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that's exactly what will happen in the industry. So I just, I'm just, look, I'm just looking at, yeah, it is. I'm just looking across at Lauren, and she's really starting to struggle. She's like nearly falling off her seat. <laughs> I am not. My eyes just hurt. That's all. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, it's a reflection of my boredom. <laughs> she's saying I'm boring. Oh, oh my gosh! Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying, Lauren? No. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never. Yeah. So you said just in a moment ago about turning the tap off, which is pretty much what has happened uh, for mm. the whole entire recruitment industry. Um, when that tap gets turned back on, my opinion mm. is when this all opens up, we are going to be influx of jobs. There's going to be people wanting people left, right and centre. All of those people laid off from Crown and uh, all the other big businesses – not all of them are going to want to go back. So no. you're going to have to – they're going to have to start running great big recruitment drives. Um, how yeah. busy do you think we're going to be? 
Yeah, um, but I think it's going to split up. Like, I think, for me, I measure, you know, um, I think about what normality will look like and when things will change and break it into two distinct events, for the want of a better word. I think recruitment will start to come back on once normality resumes and people start to, you know, go back to their commute and restaurants open and an element of day-to-day life gets back to normal. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of clients that we're talking to that it's not it's not an economic decision as to why they're not hiring. They just simply don't have the visibility right now as to when this is likely to lift. Mm. You know, and the answer to that question will shift once normality resumes. So that for me will be our first big step change when we'll start to see, you know, a gradual return to hiring needs. And then the next big one will be once people are back and people are starting to get a handle on understanding you know, maybe the the economic implications of this period of stasis that, you know, a lot of organizations have had to put themselves in. So I actually think the hiring will be spread out um, as opposed to this monumental surge overnight necessarily. And Lauren and I were talking before we came on today, you know, there's so many different challenges across different industries. So look at something like hospitality, which, you know, the bars and and those sort of things, which rely heavily on working holiday visas. Now, 280,000 people have left the country. The the international travel ban will be one of the last things to lift. So hospitality are going to have a huge challenge in repopulating their headcount when when these sort of, uh, you know, restrictions around them being open are going to be lifted. And I, I don't know what people are doing to look at these sort of things, where that sort of, um, where staff are going to come from. It's it's just yeah. really interesting. Because a lot of virgin people need jobs. Yeah, they do. But will they go and pull beers at the at the mitre? <laughs> <laughs> they can do a great safety demonstration anyway. <laughs> they could, couldn't they? Yeah. But it's, just, it's just really interesting that, I mean, none of us. Good ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome aboard your... Okay, Lauren's drugs are kicking in. Then, okay, very I think so. I think so. She's not, let's just say she's not feeling any pain. I worked for ANSET. I know the drill. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome on board your flight. ANSET flight 463, right through to Sydney. I'm your flight attendant today. So then, so on that, on, that logic, on that logic, Lauren, if you used to work for ANSET and we know what happened there and we know what's happening to Virgin, so can we expect all of the Virgin flight attendants to become recruiters? Um, yeah. Well, actually, uh, the big thing most most of them went and did was get into hospitality. Oh, they did. Yeah, that was the big. That was the first thing that everyone could go and get a bar job and things like that because they've already got their uh, RSA or whatever it is, the bar service certificate. Yep. Um, so they can all go and work in bars and things like that straight off the bat. Oh, so there you go. So we've just pro- solved that problem without even. Yeah. yeah I was going to say there okay. you go. All done. Solved the major crisis for everybody. Face. She was telling me again earlier, Jason, that um, we should start talking about planning for, for Tarpod over the next 12 months because with the drugs I'm on at the moment, I'm going to come out with the best ideas you've ever heard. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Nothing will be off the table there. <laughs> oh, my God. If anyone's just sort of tuned in halfway through, they're going to think I'm some sort of drug addict. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> hey, I yeah. had surgery. They're prescription, all right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But look, this discussion that we've been having, Jason, is, um, like I said, you know, at the outset, I, I hadn't done uh, a massive a lot of research, but I have come from a heavily um, agency background. And, yeah. and this has been a really interesting and really informative and, and productive discussion around what you're doing internally and how you're looking at your relationships currently with clients and for the future. So I think that a lot of the listeners that we've got that are ordinarily from talent acquisition will really appreciate the inner workings 
in this difficult time in a large agency within Australia. So, yeah. so thanks very much for that. No, that's right. It's very nice. Thanks very to much for having me on. Oh, no. you're very welcome. It's very nice to get an agency's perspective and uh, all those pearl clutching TA people out there. See, it didn't hurt. <laughs> She's out of control. We're gonna we're gonna um, finish up here, Jason. So, all right. Thank you so much for your time and all of your speaking of pearls, pearls of wisdom. And yeah, that's right. We'll thank speak you. to you in real time. So it's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye yep. from me. Thanks for listening to Tarpod. Please don't forget to subscribe and look out for upcoming podcasts. Tell Craig exactly how many of our podcasts you've listened to. <laughs> uh, okay, I think you already know the answer. Not, but a well, a well. I know um, you will because you're on this one, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm stoned basically on medic pre- prescription drugs. <laughs> yeah.